Hello, and welcome to the Letters from Our Fathers podcast, where we explore the actual history of America's founding fathers from their own written words and personal correspondence, but without modern partisan political ideologies. I am your host, Roman. Now let's learn some real history. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is the podcast where TLDR does not apply and the study of history is a way of life. Let's get into it. Today, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court. Yes, finally. Why not? Let's talk about the Supreme Court. This uh, episode is on request from someone on the study group, and I was finally able to work it into the schedule. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Talk about the Supreme Court. Now, before I get into that, the previous episode, that that would be bonus episode number two. You know, I even got more animated on that podcast episode than I than I thought I was going to. Here's why, you know, and I want to I want to put this in perspective just in case this wasn't clear, because somebody was asking me some questions about it. And I don't know whether it was just unclear or what, but the argument on that episode was not about whether or not we really should or should not as a nation help Ukraine. OK, it wasn't about that. What it was about is if we are going to help Ukraine and we are, does that mean we're starting World War Three? That was the entire debate on that podcast. That was it. And to say that it's going to start World War III is borderline delusional at best. Because again, you know, what was done to us in the Korean War was 10 times worse than whatever the heck it is we're doing to Russia and Ukraine. And the reason why I am so frustrated with the the people who keep saying that this is going to bring on World War III is because, well, in part, it's because they don't seem to give a crap about what happened to us in Korea. They don't, they just don't, they don't seem to care. Their attitude is the Soviets and the Chinese can do that to us, but we can't do it to them. And that's not even what's going on here. I described that the situation in Ukraine is very different than Korea because Ukraine is on the defensive and we're helping the defenders. Okay, seems like we're always doing that, right? Just like in South Korea or in Korea, generally speaking, we were helping the defenders and it was the Soviets and the Chinese that decided to escalate. It's always them that decide to escalate this crap for the most part. And this attitude of surrender... Uh, we can't do anything for fear that we might make these people angry. It's just, it, it's insulting to me. It's insulting that, you know, we should ask our, our soldiers in Korea to endure the things that they endured. And then after that's all over, act like scared little children when it comes to Russia and China. I just can't, uh, I can't tolerate that. So I hope everybody understands where I'm coming from on that. I wanted to explain that after I had a chance to uh, come back from being as frustrated as I was on the previous episode. And again, if anybody has questions, thoughts about that episode, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, let me know. If there's anybody still left on the podcast after that. You know, and I, I had this thought, somebody asked me also, I, I keep I keep getting, every once in a while this question comes up, either in the context of that podcast episode or in other contexts as well. This sentiment that I have about South Korea and the United States having defended it, our troops still being there, roughly 25,000 troops, what's the purpose of all this? If, if anybody wants to know the answer to that question, like, where do I get this from? Why do I feel this way about it? And why do I feel this way about what, what, what happened to us in South Korea? And why am I so angry at China and Russia still to this day? Because I am. You can probably tell I'm, I'm bitter about it. Still to this day, I am angry about what China did to us in Korea. And not only that, what, the, what they continue to do to the North Koreans, because every horrible thing that happens in North Korea, it's China's fault. Because we could have set those people free. Lord knows we tried. We did our best. China stopped us. And so did the Soviet Union. They're responsible for every horrible thing that happens up there. If you want to know why I'm so angry at them, if you want to know why I'm so angry at China and Russia, that's why. 
But if somebody wants to hear another story about that, you know, I was thinking about this when somebody asked me about the troops that we still have in South Korea. It reminded me of a story that I heard from Vietnam. So if somebody wants me wants to hear me tell a story about Vietnam, I will. I'm not going to say I'm not going to do it though until somebody asks me to. Uh, so if somebody wants to hear it, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or go over to the Patreon side of things and ask the question over there. You don't have to. Uh, frankly speaking, I don't care one way or the other. But if somebody wants to get another piece of history on this uh, on this podcast, I'll do it on a bonus episode. I, I like I said, I won't take away from this content that we do here on Founding Fathers. I'll do a bonus episode. I'll talk about it there. But it's it's that story from Vietnam that. Um, I'm going to be I'm going to be very blunt right now with my language. It pisses me off, you know, and there, therein lies another question about the founding fathers. This is related to the founding fathers. I'll stop talking about it now. I'll start talking about the founding fathers. It may routinely come up, you know, this question, why do I get so worked up about the founding fathers, too? Because even about these things that happened 200 years ago, sometimes I'm yelling into this microphone, just like I did with Korea in the last episode. Why am I yelling into the microphone about this stuff? It happened, you know, Korea 80 years ago, founding fathers. This was 200 years ago. You got to understand, to somebody like me who studies history, it doesn't matter whether it happened 200 years ago or 200 minutes ago. It doesn't matter. It still feels the same. There's just something about the way that I'm wired. I do not look at time the same way other people do. I've known that most of my life. Because most Americans, they don't have a memory that stretches back any further than the last episode of their favorite TV show. That's as far back as their memory goes as far as anything that they care about. Me, for some reason, like I said, 200 years ago, it might as well have happened yesterday. When I really get to thinking about it, that's how I feel. So let's talk about the uh, Supreme Court of the United States of America. I'm not going to go deep in Article 3 of the Constitution. That's not the purpose of this episode. I am going to do that when we go over the Constitution at length, if this podcast makes it that far. Uh, (laughs) The last few weeks, it seems like I have been doing everything I possibly can to destroy this podcast. But it's not that, you know, it's, you know what I'm doing? I am, it's, there is a part of me that is probably deliberately making this podcast very, very difficult to listen to. Because a part of me is, is kind of challenging the American people. It's like I'm asking them a question. You don't really want to save this country, do you? Do you? You don't really want to study the Founding Fathers, do you? Do you? You don't really want to know the truth, do you? Do you? Like I'm poking somebody in the chest when I'm talking to them challenging them. And time will tell. Time will tell if the American people meet the challenge or if they decide that Disney World is the better way to go. In my lifetime and the the more than 40 years that I have been on this earth, Americans have decided Disney World is the better way to go. In the aggregate, not everybody. Some people have decided. There's, there's millions of people who decided otherwise. It's just not enough. Not nearly enough. I mean, this is a country of 330 million people. It's going to take a lot to push this thing across the finish line. And the Supreme Court's got a big part to do to do with all this. You know, this is a big problem that we have. So what is the Supreme Court of the United States? This is going to be just a very brief civics roundup of what the Supreme Court is. It's the, it's the third branch of government. We have Congress, we have the executive, and then we have the judicial. There are only three branches of government, but there probably should be a fourth branch of government, as I'm going to explain as this podcast episode goes on. Honestly, though, I always thought of the fourth branch of government as the people. The final check on government is really the people at the end of the day. But there might be a a necessity that we have for something in the middle because the American people have proved wanting as far as their ability to uh, discharge the duties of their office. That is to say, to be a good citizen, to defend the Constitution. Uh, The American people are ill-equipped, they're ill-prepared, and at times, hopelessly incompetent. 
in the aggregate. Again, there's individuals who are the exceptions. I'm going to talk about one of them on this podcast. More specifically, I'm going to talk about their book. I'm going to have a book recommendation on this on this episode. It's a good one. I read this book. It must have been almost 20 years ago. That's how long I've been reading about this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. You know why? Because studying history is a way of life. So the Supreme Court is like the the high court in the land. There are many courts in the United States. We have our state courts. We have our federal courts. So one of the one of the conundrums, I'll describe the Supreme Court around one of the problems that we have with the courts. There are different parts of the country that fall under different jurisdictions, so to speak. These would be called circuit courts. So this is a this is a court that's pretty high up. Uh, think of the Ninth Circuit, the Tenth Circuit, things like that. Sometimes a case might come before each one of these courts, and there's similar cases on whatever kind of law you could imagine, or whatever kind of disagreement you could imagine about the law, about the Constitution, etc. And it could be the case that the Ninth Circuit renders a determination one way on that kind of case, and like the Tenth Circuit, for example, renders a determination a different kind of way on the same kind of case. So you have two different circuits with two different opinions. So depending on where you live, the law... The precedent, the case precedent, how those laws are treated, I guess I should say, is different. Isn't that interesting? Now, one thing that can settle that is the Supreme Court. If one of these cases leaves that district and it goes to the Supreme Court on appeal, the Supreme Court agrees to take it. If the Supreme Court renders a determination on that case, then it applies to the Ninth and the Tenth Circuit and all the other circuits too. That's how that works. That's how it's supposed to work anyway. Because the Supreme Court is the high court. It's the, it's the end of the line, ladies and gentlemen. There are nine judges on the Supreme Court, nine of them, at any given time, unless one of them kicks the bucket or retires, and then there may be eight for a time until another one can get nominated. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. So at the end of the day, what does the Supreme Court do? What is their function? A lot of times what it comes down to is, like on a constitutional-type case, think First Amendment, Second Amendment, whatever. Somebody might... Like, for example, Congress might pass a law that somebody thinks is unconstitutional. President signs it into law. This has happened before because these people are want to destroy the Constitution, it seems, uh, when it violate when it when it goes against their stupid personal opinions. So they'll pass an unconstitutional law. The president will sign an unconstitutional law into effect. It's illegal as crap. Somebody somebody decides that yes, it is illegal. They uh, and of course this could go the other way. It could be the case that it's not illegal, and then somebody thinks that it is, and they're wrong, and it goes up to the Supreme Court. They sue in federal court, etc. Anyway, let's say Congress passes an illegal law. President signs it into effect. Somebody show says, "Hey, this is um, obstructing my constitutional rights. I have damages." So they sue in federal court. Maybe it goes all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will decide whether it's constitutional or not. So they decide whether or not what the Congress did and what the president did was illegal. That's interesting. Now, how does the Supreme Court enforce that? They don't really have an enforcement mechanism per se. Like, for example, let's say Congress does pass a law that's unconstitutional or extra constitutional, as I sometimes like to say about certain things. President signs it into effect. Supreme Court says, hey, that's unconstitutional. It's illegal. You can't do that. What ends up happening, it's kind of like the honor system. The courts basically, you know, kind of unanimously say, well, the Supreme Court said this is unconstitutional, so, you know, we're not going to do anything about this law. I mean, the, 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 federal, the, government, the Congress or the president could try to enforce it, but as soon as it comes to court, we're throwing that crap out. But nobody in Congress gets arrested. I mean, they did something illegal, right? They passed an illegal law, according to the Supreme Court. Does that mean that somebody in Congress is going to jail for breaking the law? No. Now, I'm going to come back to this later. <laughs> Because maybe that's the problem with this whole thing. 
Maybe. I, 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 don't, I don't ever hear anybody propose that people in Congress should go to jail for violating the Constitution. I don't know why. There is a problem with it. I'm going to get into that later. Don't worry. I'm not going to take a simplistic approach to this. President, same thing. I mean, if he signs an illegal law into effect, Supreme Court says it's unconstitutional. Does he go to jail? Does he get impeached? Of course, only Congress can impeach him. The Supreme Court can't. We've talked about that before. No, he just kind of stays in office like, like nothing happened. Which would, and what's the problem with that? I mean, what's the—right off the top of your head, what is the problem with that? Like, these people pass illegal laws. The Supreme Court says so. Assuming the Supreme Court is right, which they could be wrong. Could be the Supreme Court's the one that's wrong. But for the sake of argument, let's pretend that the Supreme Court is right and it's an illegal law. And the people in Congress suffer no repercussions for it. The president who signed it into effect suffers no repercussions for it. What's the side effect of that? The answer is there's no deterrent. There's, no, there's nothing to stop them from doing it again with a different kind of law. They're just going to keep doing it until they get this, until they get stuff through. And they're going to they're going to get some illegal laws through and they're not going to get certain other illegal laws through. That's basically the way it works because there's no consequence for them. When there's no consequence, you're just going to keep on doing it, right? This is a fundamental flaw in our system, by the way. In case you're curious. You know, the Supreme Court is less of a enforcement arm of the Constitution and more of a referee. Maybe that's not the best analogy, but that's 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 one way to look at it. So we have, you know, you, you begin to see this, this dispute between the three branches of government that could, that could come up. I mean, obviously, you know, Congress wants to do one thing. Sometimes the president wants to do the same thing. Sometimes they don't. They could veto a law if they want to, although they almost never do. Supreme Court could weigh in and say, hey, that's unconstitutional or that's illegal or some part of it's unconstitutional. We've talked about that before. Okay. But clearly there are things that happen in this country that are not at all constitutional, and the Supreme Court just lets it happen. Now, why is that? Well, John Adams, as usual, has the answer for us. Because John Adams is really just that guy that you want to go to when it comes to uh, figuring this stuff out. Let me read something to you from John Adams. This is from circa, I think, roughly 1787. And I quote, The judges will be appointed by them and their party, and of consequence will be obsequious enough to their inclinations. The whole judicial authority, as well as the executive, will be employed, perverted, and prostituted to the purposes of electioneering. No justice will be attainable, nor will innocence or virtue be safe in the judicial courts. But for the friends of the prevailing leaders, legal prosecutions will be instituted and carried on against opposers to their vexation and ruin. End quote. So what in the crap is John Adams talking about? here? By the way, does any of that sound good? Is John Adams describing a positive situation here or a negative situation? I don't know. That last part pretty much makes it, makes it clear, doesn't it? Quote, Legal prosecutions will be instituted and carried, out, carried on against opposers to their vexation and ruin, end quote. Vexation and ruin. Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves a situation here. What's the genesis of all this? What's this nightmare scenario that Adams is describing here? That, that 200 and some odd years later, the United States of America is completely ignorant of. This problem still has not been fixed. 200 years, this country has been sitting on its hands, doing nothing about this problem that John Adams speaks of. And if you remember a few episodes back, I talked about American stupid. And I'll bet you I lost probably a good, I don't know, 5-10% of the podcast audience every time I say that. So I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it a few times here just to piss people off. American stupid is, the, is what John Adams is talking about. I'll say it one more time. Is there anybody left? By the way, is there anybody left on this podcast? American stupid is what John Adams is talking about. And if you got a problem with American stupid, good news, we can stop in the next five seconds. But we don't want to. 
because doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, is pretty much the definition of the United States of America in the 21st century, and the 20th century for that matter. My entire life I've seen it. I was born into this crap, and I've just, I've watched it my whole life. What am I talking about? It was right at the beginning. And I quote, The judges will be appointed by them and their party, and of consequence will be obsequious enough to their inclinations, end quote. The judges will be appointed by them and their party. Is the judiciary, the Supreme Court, really a separate branch of government? Or is it just a tool for the political parties? I think we all know the answer to that question. Now that I characterize it that way, a light bulb has probably gone off on some, in some people's minds. Because John Adams is very good at articulating this. I know the first time I read this, a light bulb went off in my head. It was an epiphany. A sudden realization as to the true meaning of things. Now, riddle me this. When was the first time that I read these words out of John Adams? Was it in research for this episode? Like a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, a year and a half ago when I started this podcast? No. First time I read these words from John Adams, I think it was about six years ago. The judges will be appointed by them and their party. And then it goes on, quote, The whole judicial authority, as well as the executive, will be employed, perverted, and prostituted to the purposes of electioneering, end quote. Prostituted, ladies and gentlemen. And again, I'm going to point this out for all those people who have left the, pro the podcast with their white flags firmly in their, gra in their grasp, in case they come back. You think I just make this stuff up? When I talk about the political prostitutes in Washington, D.C., where do you think I get this language? Do you think Roman just makes all this stuff up? You know, just like the previous episode about South Korea, all the things that we've been through, this whole Russia thing, the China situation. I think I just make this stuff up. That's just Roman's opinion. Not quite. Funny things happen when you read the wise words of people who lived 200 years ago. At some point or another, if you read it enough, you just start saying it on your own. It just starts coming out of you. It's John Adams' words. It's not my words. Political prostitutes? It's not, it's not, that's not my idea. It's John Adams' idea. If you got a problem with me saying it, you got a problem with John Adams. If you got a problem with John Adams saying that, then you got bigger problems than you realize. I don't even think, if you got a problem with it, I don't even think you realize how far behind the race you really are. You know, sometimes people th people are so far behind in a race, they actually think they're ahead. Why do I have this tone in my voice? Why am I talking about American stupid? Boom, there we go. We lost another 5% of the audience. Why am I talking about American stupid? And why am I talking about John Adams this way? Why am I saying that we should pay attention to John Adams on this issue? Because he's reading our mail. This man was like Nostradamus. Except he didn't have a crystal ball, he just read history and he knows how these things end. Because when you read history, it sounds like you have a crystal ball. Keep in mind what this guy said, quote, The judges will be appointed by them and their party, end quote. The party, ladies and gentlemen. The Supreme Court of the United States is a tool of the political parties. It is, not, it is no longer a third branch of government. It has not been a third branch of government for a very long time. I'll give you a hint. It has not been a third branch of government since before I was born. It has not been a third branch of government since before my parents were born. It has not been a third branch of government since before my grandparents were born. Now, if you want to try to disagree with me on that one, start picking apart the words of John Adams and something else that I'm about ready to read to you here in a few minutes. You know that old saying, don't bring a knife to a gunfight? There's a reason why I bring John Adams with me to these arguments, to this debate. Between him and Samuel Adams and everybody else that I bring onto this podcast, these are the big guns of the American Revolution. I don't have the guns to make these to make these arguments. I don't have them. I'm not that smart. So you know what I call, know what I do when I'm going to get into a fight about these issues? I bring artillery support. I bring the big guns. That would be Mr. Adams in this case. You read this man's sentiments about party, faction, 
division. He is reading our mail, ladies and gentlemen. The American people have turned the Supreme Court, by way of these political parties, have turned the Supreme Court into some bastard child of what it was supposed to be. Some Twilight Zone version of what it was supposed to be. Now, I would, I would, I would say that the Supreme Court was poorly conceived to begin with. It was always going to be used this way. A blind man could have seen it coming. Lord knows John Adams did. It didn't take him long. It was 1787 when he wrote this, roughly. It was 1787, 1788, roughly. I don't have an exact date on when he penned that on a piece of paper, because it's not in a letter. When was the Constitution discussed and debated, ladies and gentlemen? Was it 1787? Yes. Didn't take John Adams long to figure it out, did it? And he wasn't the only one. There must have been something wrong with it. If he figured it out that quick... There must have been something wrong with the Supreme Court. But here we are, still playing this stupid game with it 250 years later. Almost 250 years. You get the idea. I'm rounding up a little bit. Somebody out there is going to be like, Oh my gosh, Roman, you got it wrong. It's not been 250 years yet. Thank you, Hoss. I know that. Partisan corruption, ladies and gentlemen. It's the worst kind of corruption that a country can go through. It's like a cancer. It spreads. And when it spreads far enough and deep enough into the bone, you can't get it out. And when you can't get it out, it's really only a matter of time. And assuming the country is not on a suicide watch, it's only a matter of time before it just dies. So let me ask you something. Do we want to keep doing this for another 250 years? This thing that John Adams was talking about, about the courts? Because he was right. I mean, tell me it hasn't turned into that. Tell me he didn't know what he was talking about. And if somebody thinks that uh, John Adams is a complete moron, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell me how John Adams was a moron. And this argument that he's making is complete crap. Tell me the uh, Supreme Court has not been used as a tool for political parties. Explain that one to me. So how do we fix this? The Supreme Court is obviously ill-equipped to do its job, which is enforce the Constitution. It wasn't really given any mechanism to enforce the Constitution. There really is no such thing as a Constitution police. There's our fundamental problem right there. But how in the world do you even begin to constitute something like a Constitution police? A branch of government, a group of people whose sole purpose is to enforce the Constitution against these people who like to violate it. Why, Roman, what do you mean, those people who like to violate it? Politicians. How do you do that? Because that's been our problem the whole time, hasn't it? Our inability to enforce the Constitution when it gets violated? All we can hope for is that the country comes to its senses, or the courts manage to finagle some way to make it happen. The honor system basically means that uh, hopefully Congress will listen to the court when it says something is unconstitutional. The president will listen, which sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just tell the court to go pound sand. And sometimes the court is scared to death to go against the executive branch because they're afraid the, the executive branch will say, go pound sand, and it'll be like a constitutional crisis. The honor system will break down, and then we will have some kind of a tin-pot dictatorship. So how do we get a constitution police in this country? That's the question that rolls through my head, because it's clearly what we need. Because if you think the politicians are going to completely stay true to the Constitution, the oath that they took, you're delusional. And I know there's not very many—that's I, I, the one thing probably almost everybody in this podcast audience can agree on. The politicians have almost no motivation to honor the Constitution. I, I would venture to guess that there's very few people out there who would disagree with that. Because I know one side in particular doesn't give a crap about the Constitution most days— and the other side of the argument really only cares about the Constitution when it's convenient for them. So we're all pretty much in agreement, right? The politicians don't give a crap about the Constitution? Yes, I think we're in agreement. So we know Congress is not going to honor the Constitution. If they can, you know, if they can get away with violating it, they're going to do it so that they can cash checks and buy mansions because there's money to be made in violating the Constitution, ladies and gentlemen. That's a dirty little secret. That's not really a secret. 
There's money to be made in violating the Constitution. The executive branch knows that. So how are we going to enforce it? That's a big question. And it's a question this country is going to have to answer someday. Because this system, this three branches of government thing that we've got, it's impossible to keep the Supreme Court honest. And frankly speaking, the Supreme Court was never designed to enforce the Constitution. Not really. So we have ourselves an incomplete system. The problem is, I mean, if you had a Constitution police, how do you keep them true to the Constitution? Because depending on who you ask, the Constitution is open for interpretation. And depending on what day of the week it is, one sentence in the Constitution can change meaning depending on who you ask, on what day of the week you ask, and which direction the wind is blowing on that day. Now, it shouldn't because the words are right there. It's written in plain English, and when you get confused, we have this thing called the instruction manual to the United States Constitution called the Letters from Our Founding Fathers. Like, if you get confused about what the well-regulated militia is in the Second Amendment, if you read the Letters from Our Founding Fathers, it becomes abundantly clear what that well-regulated militia actually is, and it has everything to do with April 19th of 1775. And if you doubt that, go read the letters or listen to this podcast. And if you're still confused, I can't help you. And the Founding Fathers can't help you. God himself probably cannot help you. But it's written in plain English. If anybody's confused about the Second Amendment, it's usually because they're being deliberately obtuse. It's a self-imposed stupidity or they're just lying through their teeth about what it is. Just like the First Amendment that way. I'm going to read you something about that here in a few minutes. Stay tuned. But the Supreme Court can't do the job of enforcing the Constitution. The Congress doesn't particularly want to, and the executive branch could not possibly care less most of the time. So where's our Constitution police at, ladies and gentlemen? I would say it's the fourth branch, the American people, but the American people don't read the doggone thing. Because as I try to teach the United States of America the Constitution, the letters from our founding fathers, as quickly as new people come onto the podcast, people leave because they don't like me yelling into this microphone. They don't like me criticizing their party, even though I never, I never name a specific political party, except for one time when I was quoting John Adams. He mentioned it. I didn't. But people know what I'm talking about. People know where I'm going with this, and it upsets their delicate sensibilities, so they leave. That, and you get this phenomenon where people think they know everything they need to know about the Constitution. Simply because they know the Second Amendment exists, they think they know everything they need to know about it. Because they know that April 19th of 1775 happened, even though they probably couldn't give you that date if they tried. They know that Lexington and Concord happened, even though they don't know the date. They know everything there is to know about what led up to that date, because they knew it happened. They know it happened, even though they don't. And if, some, a very if a very intelligent person challenged them and tried to bamboozle them about Lexington and Concord, they would walk all up and down their rear end, because, they th because the person defending the argument about Lexington and Concord has no clue what they're talking about because they haven't read the letters. But they think they know everything. I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if the American people, if, million, if, if tens of millions of American people knew the Constitution and what led up to it and what led up to the war like they think they do, this podcast wouldn't be necessary. This country wouldn't have fallen apart over the last 100 years as it pertains to the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution started falling apart long before I was ever born. And it's not because the Constitution is a big pile of crap, it's because nobody knows how to defend the thing. Because nobody's read the instruction manual. I would be unnecessary, and that would be the happiest day of my life, I would be unnecessary on this issue if this country was doing just hunky-dory. But it's not. So the fourth branch, the American people, are ill-equipped to defend the Constitution. Now I want to stop and thank everybody who listens to this podcast, because you and me together, 
reading these letters, we are trying to fix that by studying this information, which is good. One step at a time, right? We can fix it, technically. It's not lost. But the fourth branch of, of government, ha the, the, again, the American people, have failed completely. For the, well, not completely, I would say, but it failed in so many ways to hold the line. I mean, we're losing ground every single year. Every single year, this country has been in existence for, for the la at least for the last 100 or so years. This country's been losing ground on the Constitution. So clearly, the fourth branch has failed. So how do we get a Constitution police that can run around actually enforcing this thing? Honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. That's something you'd have to put some really smart people in a room like a John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin type and just hammer it out and figure out how to make it happen. It's either that or we just continue doing what we're doing, which is not working. I mean, it could work if every American studied the letters from our founding fathers. And again, you don't have to listen to this podcast. You can go back. You can buy all the books. Every American in the country, all 330 million people, can go out and buy all the books, spend the thousands of dollars that it takes to do that, and spend a decade of their life pulling all this stuff apart and figuring it out. But you know, and I know, those 330 million people are never going to come anywhere close to ever trying to do something like that. It's never going to happen. They, the American people think it's going to happen. These people who think they know everything they need to know about the Constitution, they think they know everything they need to know about going out and voting every two years, they're never going to do it. And they won't listen to this podcast because I yell into the microphone. And I, I say things about Korea that they disagree with. So what, what could we do? That's feasible. I mean, the Constitution police, trying to, trying to create some kind of a Constitution police, that's a, that's a reach, to say the least. Will that ever happen? Probably not. It's just too difficult. The American people don't solve problems like that very easily. The American people, generally speaking, when it comes to constitutional issues like that, they, they, they don't solve problems, period. So what could we do? Well, here's what I would recommend. So if somebody in Congress is listening, which they don't, by the way, you think anybody in Congress cares about studying the letters from our founding fathers? I, I guarantee you they don't. Well, I, I take that back. There might be... Oh, anywhere between a half dozen and a baker's dozen. Out of 535, there might be a half dozen to a baker's dozen that actually would eh, kind of sometimes give a crap about studying the letters from the Founding Fathers, but the rest of them, they don't care. But if you want to call your congressman and make a suggestion, here's what I would suggest. Because people always like solutions, and I, I like solutions too. I don't like to complain about problems. I'm an accountant, for God's sakes. Accountants are trained to not just complain about problems. We are trained to do that, by the way, more or less. But we're also trained to solve problems. So what could we do? Well, I'll start by asking a question. Where is the Supreme Court located? And the answer to the question is, you can answer it one of two ways. You could say, well, it's in Washington, D.C. Yes, technically. But where is that? Not geographically speaking, but kind of, you know, psycho psychologically speaking. It's in the worst possible location on the planet. It's in Washington, D.C., the District of Corruption. I can think of no worse location to put that thing than Washington, D.C. So here's what we do. Evacuate the Supreme Court building and, and rope it off and don't let anybody back in there. And we do one of two things with it in the meantime. We either take a wrecking ball to it, which I'm personally in favor of, or we can turn it into an art museum or something. It's a lovely building. We could put it to use. Turn it into an art museum or something of that nature, maybe. That's fine. Just make an, an extension of the Smithsonian or something. I don't care. But get the Supreme Court the heck out of there. Because these people live around Washington, D.C. They live in northern Virginia in some cases, or in all cases. I don't know where they all live personally. I have no idea. I know at least one or two of them live, live probably in northern Virginia, where a lot of the politicians live, too. They buy mansions out there. I was reading an article just about a month ago. Some senator out there, some senator bought a, like a more than a million-dollar mansion out, th out there. What's a senator doing buying a million-dollar mansion around Washington, D.C.? I thought he lived in his district. 
well, his state, I guess. Senators don't have districts so much as they have states. But you, I thought he would live in his state. Why doesn't he go back there and live? Why doesn't he rent a small place in Washington, D.C. or whatever, and then go back to his state? Because he doesn't want to go back to his state. He's a creature of Washington, D.C., that's why. So do you want the Supreme Court to be a creature of the District of Corruption? Does that sound like a winning strategy for the High Court of the United States of America? No, because these people go to the same parties that the politicians go to. These people are already a tool for the political parties. Do you want them going to the same parties as those corrupt lunatics? I don't. Get them out! So where do we put the court? Honestly, I don't really care. Anywhere but there. And anywhere but one of the top 20 major cities in the country. Don't put them there either. Move them to Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm dead serious. Move them to Omaha, Nebraska. Move them to the middle of nowhere in Montana, for all I care. That would probably be the best place in the world to keep them. Just put up a small steel shack. Give them some air conditioning. Don't build another one of these grand halls like we have in Washington, D.C., that massive, monolithic-looking building. Just give them a steel shack out in the middle of nowhere in Montana. And have them mingle with actual real Americans instead of the uh, Georgetown, Georgetown corruptocrats, the lobbyists from K Street, and all of those people who own mansions in Northern Virginia. That's not America. I don't know what you would call that, but it's definitely not America, not by my standard, and not by, by, not by the standard of anybody who lives to the west of Maryland. There's a solution for you. Just get them out of there. It'll be fine. They'll enjoy Montana. It'll be the quiet life, and they'll be closer to the real people of the United States of America. Now, what else can we do, ladies and gentlemen? Honestly... And this, again, is a constitutional amendment situation, so it's never going to happen. But if I had a wish list, this would be on it. We've got to stop nominating those people through the executive branch of the United States. Why, Roman, whatever do you mean? The president nominates Supreme Court justices. This has to stop. Because I do not want Supreme Court justices loyal to a president or his party or whoever it is that the president is prostituting himself or herself to this week. Basically, they're pimp. I don't want the Supreme Court beholden to some pimp of the executive branch. So we got to stop that. Does that sound logical to anybody? I-, I want you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Or again, if you're sick and tired of hearing me say that, don't leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I have set up the Patreon website. The link will be in the show notes. Yes, it costs a dollar for you to go over to Patreon. Sign- create an account first, of course. I-, I know that's a headache, but that's it's the best that I can do right now. And I know what somebody's going to say. Why don't you just create an email or a Twitter or something? We'll send this stuff through. I don't want just random people sending me messages. I'm not, because it, it, that's, I'm not, I don't want to spend my time listening to that crap. I want people who are on the study group, committed to the study group to send me messages. That's the way this whole thing was set up. So if you go over to Patreon, spend a dollar, you can, you can send me a message. Or again, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I, I pay for that one. But tell me, is this logical? Does this make sense to you? To, to remove the nomination process from the executive branch, does my argument sound logical? I know it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible. It's next to impossible. You, you stand a greater chance of winning the lottery or getting struck by lightning twice in one day on a sunny day, mind you, than this ever happening. I got it. I don't want to hear any crap about, well, that's impossible, Roman. It'll never happen. To, I know, okay? I wasn't born yesterday. I got it. I know. I'm just throwing it out there. Does it sound like a logical thing, or am I just way off base here? But get them out of Washington, D.C., have them live the quiet life in Montana, in a steel sh- do business in a steel shack, or again, if you don't want to be out in the middle of nowhere in Montana, Fayetteville, Arkansas is a lovely place. 
Especially in the summer. It's hotter than Hades down there. I know I've been there. And get the nomination process away from the executive branch. That was a stupid idea to begin with. My gosh, Roman, did you just say the Founding Fathers had a stupid idea? Yes, I did. And so did John Adams. I just read you the quote. Where do you think I get this stuff from? He said it was stupid. He wasn't at the Constitutional Convention, by the way. Maybe that was the first big mistake the Founding Fathers make. They didn't recall John Adams. Somebody at the Constitutional Convention should have said, uh, we can't do... Uh, uh, point of order? Objection? Point of order? Uh, yes, sir. What is it? Uh, we, we, can't, we can't do this whole convention thing. Uh, sir, why not? John Adams isn't here. We gotta pull him back. We gotta get him back here. We gotta put this thing on hold until we get him back here. Overruled. Sit down and shut up. Okay. That's probably... <laughs> I don't know if that ever happened, but it's... um. They should have had John... I don't know if it would have turned out different if John Adams was there. Who knows? But... It is what it is. It, you know, we got what we got, and we we can change it if we want to, but we got we to want to change it. Now, the question's going to come up, well, who would nominate the Supreme Court justices then? How would we get Supreme Court justices? My knee-jerk reaction, and again, I don't really know the full answer to this question. This is one of those, you've got to put some smart people in a room, people like Benjamin Franklin, a John Adams, a Thomas Jefferson, a Patrick Henry, a Samuel Adams, and hammer this crap out. But here's my knee-jerk reaction. If I'm in that room, and by the way, nobody would ever want me in that room. But if I were in that room, I would say you got to get it out of Washington, D.C. Because here's the key to anything that's going to ever resemble a Constitution police. It has to be out of Washington, D.C. You cannot have it there. They can visit there. They can fly in and go yell at some congressman and say, hey, you're breaking the law, idiot. Stop it. And then fly back out again and go back to their headquarters, wherever that is. Wherever it is, not Washington, D.C., but we've got to get it out of Washington, D.C. The nominating of uh, the nominating and selecting of Supreme Court justices has to be pulled out. And then it's kind of obvious where it goes from there, the states. And it used to kind of be this way by extension. I mean, who, who actually confirms Supreme Court justices? The United States Senate. Okay. How did senators used to get elected? Have senators always been elected by popular vote? No, they have not. We're going to talk about this later on. But since that has con been completely screwed... And by the way, that needs to be undone at the earliest possible convenience, the popular election of senators. That was a stupid idea. But somehow the states need to do it. Now the states, oh, good God, they're, they're, some of the states are as corrupt as sin too. So there's got, you'd have to have some kind of, it, you'd almost, it would almost have to be like the process of passing a constitutional amendment to get a Supreme Court justice on the bench. You'd have to make this so difficult and so rigorous a process. The problem with that is, is because everybody wants to try to use the Supreme Court as some kind of a political puppet. It would just never get done. You'd never get enough people to agree on who should be there. The lobbyists would want to weigh in. Every bar association in the country would want to weigh in. You'd have to outlaw that six ways to Sunday. You'd have to, you'd have to somehow find a way to keep all the lobbyists, the bar associations, and all the rest of it as, as far away from this as possible. I mean, you get the idea. Where am I going with all this? The whole doggone system is corrupt from soup to nuts when it comes to the Supreme Court. The fact that we have anybody on the Supreme Court at any given time at all that ever even gives the Constitution a passing glance is a frickin' miracle. Is somebody ready to hear the book recommendation? Because this, this feels like a perfect time to segue into that because there's a quote in the book. And I'm gonna read it to you. And then I'm gonna tell you what the book is so you can go get it if you want to. I don't think it's in print anymore, but you can find copies of it somewhere. Check eBay. Don't go to Amazon. Roman, what do you mean don't go to Amazon? I meant to say this earlier in a previous episode when I was talking about the books that I had just bought. I do not buy my books on Amazon. 
Oh my gosh, Roman, why don't you buy your books on Amazon? Everybody buys their books on Amazon. I know, that's the problem. Amazon doesn't need your help anymore. They haven't needed your help since about 2005. And for the record, that was almost 20 years ago. I'm a big fan of the local bookstore, or at the very least, some kind of physical bookstore. It usually ends up being Barnes & Noble. I'm a big Barnes & Noble fan. I buy all my books there. Is Roman, is Barnes & Noble paying you for this? Is this finally a sponsorship? No, they don't pay me a dime. I pay Barnes & Noble a small fortune, but they've never paid me a dime, and they probably never will. So if you want to look somewhere for this book, go to eBay, not Amazon. And if you want to buy new books, go to Barnes & Noble. Now, why is that? Roman, why on earth do you want to support Barnes & Noble? What's that all about? Why don't you want to go to Amazon? Amazon's cheaper. I don't care if Amazon's cheaper. I really don't give a crap. If I have to pay an extra $5 for a book from Barnes & Noble versus Amazon, I'll do it. You know why? Because I'm trying to keep the competition in business. Competition is a good thing. And if you keep buying everything on Amazon, guess what? Sooner or later, there's not going to be any competition. You got to think 10 moves ahead. You can't be just thinking about today, how do I save a buck today? Think 10 moves ahead, monopoly, books, literature, and you can begin to see the problems that come out of that. Doesn't take very long before there's a good old-fashioned book burning. Yes, I said it. Let me read to you a quote from this book that I am going to recommend to you about the Supreme Court and how, how much of a nightmare this thing really is. And I quote, The First Amendment provides that Congress shall make no law respecting the est an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The framers thought that religious faith was important to our system of government. They believed in the protection of religious minorities and sought to avoid the intolerance and threat to religious liberty that might arise from a nationally established church. But we've come a long way since the First Amendment was ratified. As Chief Justice William Rehnquist has written, the court bristles with hostility to all things religious in public life. For the last several decades, the court, based on a misreading of Thomas Jefferson's now famous letter to the Danbury Baptists, has seized on the mistaken idea that the Constitution requires a severe wall of separation between church and state, end quote. I'll read the most important line one more time, because that was a long quote. And I quote, The court bristles with hostility to all things religious and public life, end quote. Is that the intent of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution? No, it is not. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. It's the second part of that, that, that part of the First Amendment that's the problem with that letter and with the Supreme Court using it as an excuse. By the way, this is one of only a very few times the Supreme Court will ever read the letters from our Founding Fathers. And the one time they do it, they use it to cherry-pick a manipulation of the First Amendment and to basically destroy the true intent of the First Amendment. That should tell you everything you need to know about the Supreme Court right there. But it says that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That whole separation of church and state argument, which is not in the Constitution, it's all about prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That's the whole point. The whole point of it was always to 100% prohibit the free exercise thereof. That's what that quote was talking about. Now, some people are happy with this because they're atheists. Some people listening to this podcast may be atheists. I'm fine with that. If you want to be an atheist, that's your choice. But if, you, but if you take your ideology and bend it to oppress other people and to manipulate what the Constitution says so that you can feel better about yourself or you can feel better about squashing religion, you are a corrupt individual and you're not an American. You're something. I don't know what you are, but you're not an American. A real American, whether they're an atheist or not, would say the Constitution strictly says 
that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Thus, that free exercise is guaranteed. Whether it upsets my delicate sensibilities or not, whether I want to see it or not, it's there. And people have a right. You can't prohibit the free exercise thereof. There's no caveat to that. It doesn't say within 1,000 feet of a school. It doesn't say anything like that. Or within 1,000 feet of a school or this, that, or the other thing. You know, or, or except within 1,000 feet of a school or whatever. It doesn't say anything like that. The book in question, if you want to look at this book, if you want to read this book, I recommend it. Now, my preface to my, my citing this book, it is written by somebody who some people are going to think is a political ideologue. He may be, he may not be. I'm not going to debate it. I'm not going to argue that. You, you make your own choices about this. All I'm going to say is it was a very well-written book about the Supreme Court. Regardless of what he says on anything else, he put together a solid argument in this book. The book is called Men in Black, and you'll probably see that in the title to this podcast if you were wondering what, where that was coming from. That's, that's where it's coming from. It's called Men in Black, and I know what somebody's going to say. There's women on the Supreme Court too, Roman. Oh my gosh, how dare this guy write this book and call it Men in Black? Well, it was kind of a play on a, a title of a movie, right? <laughs> There's a movie called Men in Black, and I think it was a play on that. I don't think he meant to uh, exclude or be biased against the women on the court. I don't think that was the point. But it was written by Mark Levin. Some of you probably know who he is. But that's the book. I recommend it if you want to read it. So that's my feelings on the Supreme Court. I, I, in summary, I am sick and tired of it being used as a tool for political parties. It should be independent. It's not. Part of the problem with that is it's located in Washington, D.C. Part of the problem with that is the nomination comes from the executive branch, and it's confirmed by more or less a corrupt body of the United States government, the Congress, the politicians. I would almost be more comfortable with just some random set of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. doing the, doing the uh, actual nominating and selecting of those judges. Almost. Not quite, but almost. The politicians are just a horrible bunch of people to be doing that job. I mean, it's really hard to have an independent branch of government that has to be run through the other branches of government in order for them to be nominated. But it was the best thing the Founding Fathers could come up with at the time. And the senators were supposed to be semi-separate from the, from the House of Representatives because of the way they were elected, but then we went and screwed with that too, didn't we? So we just made the problem even worse. But that's where we're at with the Supreme Court. Again, I will get into that in a little bit more of a legalistic way when we get to Article 3 of the Constitution, if, again, the podcast makes it that far. At this rate, you know, the podcast is hemorrhaging audience, that is to say participation on the study group, at this point. And there's a part of me that's upset about that, and then there's a part of me that's happy about it. Uh, because as soon as this country decides that it no longer has time for this material— it no longer has time for the letters from our founding fathers, then I get to say, my work here is done. It is finished. And then I get to testify that the American people have saddled up this pony, and I can wash my hands of it and then just walk away. I hope it doesn't come to that. But that is, it is what it is. So America, if you want me to continue to challenge your positions on these issues, if you want me to continue to offer a contrary opinion to what some people have to say, then keep listening to the podcast. If you don't want to listen to the Founding Fathers, if you don't want to listen to what I have to say about it, and the way I articulate it, and my context around it, then just do one or two. You can do one or two things. I mean, you can go back to watching Netflix, or again, you can engage a research project that's going to cost you many thousands of dollars for the books and everything, and the better part of a decade of your life, and you can study the letters on your own. If I annoy you in some particular kind of way, like I care, 
You know, some people found John Adams to be particularly annoying as well. I'm not saying I'm exactly like John Adams. You know, something happened, I think something happened when I read all of that John Adams that I read years ago. I read so many hundreds of pages of John Adams uh, in this project that I did about, it was about six years ago or so. I really do believe I picked up at least a little bit of his personality. He, he, was, he was an abrasive guy at times. And it came through in the writing in certain areas. Certain parts of his writing, it was, it was kind of clear that he was a, a bit abrasive, annoying, or he was annoyed, rather. He was annoyed by some of the things going on around him. And I can't say I blame him. I mean, he was going through some pretty terrible times for this country and for the British Empire. I have a great deal of respect for that man, though. Uh, his arguments were pretty solid most of the time, I think. So I try to bring a little bit of that to this podcast. To the extent possible. Am I perfect? No. Do I sometimes go off the rails? Sure, why not? But I figure, why not try try to do things a little bit different? Why not talk about these things a little bit differently than most people? Because those most people talking about it the way that they have have gotten us to exactly where we are today. How's that working out for us? Because somebody might say, Roman, we don't need your perspective. We don't need your abrasive attitude. We don't need you yelling into the microphone. We don't need any of this crap. We don't need your perspective on things. We were doing just fine before you got here. Are you sure about that? I hope you're right, if that's the way you feel. You, you better, if you're going to think that way, if you're going to say that, you better darn well be sure you're right. Because if you're wrong, you're going to have a lot to answer for when all this is over. A lot. So for those of you who have stuck around on the podcast, I'm going to be curious to see what the numbers turn into over the next month. For those of you who are still left, I thank you for continuing to join me and listening to John Adams today talk to us about the Supreme Court, listening to this uh, this book, Men in Black, and what it has to say about the Supreme Court, and just how far askew it has gone on the First Amendment, at least, and it talks about a lot more in there, believe me, and listening to my thoughts on how we could fix it, things that'll probably never happen because Americans are real stuck in their ways for some reason. They like the Supreme Court being based out of Washington, D.C., the District of Corruption. God knows why. But they love it up there. Honestly, I think some of the Supreme Court justices would be happy to leave and to have the Supreme Court moved someplace else in the country. But maybe not. I don't know. But I would like to see the Supreme Court relocate. I would love to see those nine justices. God love them. I'd love to see them based out of Omaha, Nebraska, or Fayetteville, or Montana, or someplace like that. That would be fantastic. I look forward to that. I look forward to seeing those, uh, those nine justices doing their work in middle America. Wouldn't that be great, by the way, to see... <laughs> It'd be great to see the uh, the cameras outside the Supreme Court in the middle of nowhere in Montana, in a, broadcasting from the steel shack that the Supreme Court operates out of. That would make those reporters so angry to have to be dispatched out to the middle of nowhere. That would be worth that would be worth it just to do it, just to watch the reporters complain about being sent out to uh, what's a small town in Montana or Idaho or someplace. I'm trying to think. All right, I suppose you could heck, let's move it to Alaska while we're at it. I'm sure, Alaska would be happy to uh, host the Supreme Court. That would really make the, uh, the journalists angry. I have to fly them out to Alaska. But if anybody asks me, that's my suggestion. Get them out of D.C. I'm sure they would. I, I, I bet they'd be happier, too. Why not? Now, some of them would. If I ever live to see that day where the Supreme Court has moved out of Washington, D.C. and into Fayetteville, Arkansas, or Omaha, Nebraska, or someplace like that, I will be thrilled. Get closer to the people, the real people of the United States of America. You know, see your, see your Supreme Court justices shopping at the local Walmart. Just wave to him. Hey, Chief Justice, how you doing? It's a fine day in Arkansas, isn't it? Isn't it, Mr. Chief Justice? I wonder if anybody from Arkansas is listening to the podcast right now. I wonder if they're going, heck yeah, we'd love to have them. Welcome. Welcome to Fayetteville. Or wherever. Or are they going, oh, heck no. Don't you bring them people down here. <laughs> We're doing just fine without them justices. We don't, we don't want no Supreme Court justice. Are you kidding me? 
This is Fayetteville. We don't want them around here. Let me know. If you live in Arkansas, leave a review on the podcast. And let me know. Do you want the Supreme Court in Fayetteville? Or would you rather have them across the border in Oklahoma? Arm's length, you know? No, no, put them over there in Oklahoma. Get them out of here. But I, I do hope I see that someday. I want to see those. I want to see... I want to see... I want to see the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court shopping at Walmart at the checkout, at the checkout lanes at Walmart in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Just like the rest of us. But there's a lot of things we can do to fix the Supreme Court, you know? I mean, like I said, a lot of this stuff, I mean, it's a pipe dream at best, but I can dream, can I? I think the Supreme Court functions best when it is entirely independent of the other two branches of government. The Supreme Court, like I said, it was poorly conceived, generally speaking, but it, it can kind of do a good job if it's completely independent and separate and you put as much daylight in between that court and Washington, D.C. as possible. Then I think we would have achieved probably the best version of the Supreme Court that we could possibly get. And we can have nine justices that we can be at least kind of uh, reasonably assured that they, at least there's some distance between them and the other two branches. Maybe they can be kind of independent. Instead of just, you know, the Supreme Court being the puppet show, kabuki theater, whatever. Honestly, I think it would be less stressful for the Supreme Court to get out of there, too. Less weight on their shoulders. And I'd like that. I'd like to make their life easier. You know, these people deserve to, to work free and unencumbered of that god-awful place, Washington, D.C. And for all those people who live in Washington, D.C., don't try to pretend like you don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, Washington, D.C. is a fine city, sir. It's just like Fayetteville, Arkansas up here. It's a fine city. Okay. I mean, it could be if you kick all the lobbyists out of there. I mean, seriously, if you could back a truck up and load all the lobbyists up in there and ship them out, good luck finding a place in the country that would take them. There might be a village in Alaska that would take them. You could probably ship them up to up past the Arctic Circle. Maybe they can work in the oil fields or something. That would actually be a good idea. But if you could do that and a few other things, yeah, sure, Washington, D.C. could be a fine city. But let, let's not pretend that it's a, it's a fine city, sir. It's a top American city. Okay. I'm just kind of talking at this point. But anyway, I'll uh, I'll draw this to a conclusion before this podcast episode gets so long, it turns into an absolute nightmare to go through it all and edit it. But I want to thank you to, for listening to this episode. And for those of you who do understand where I'm coming from as far as that bonus episode on World War III, I appreciate you understanding where I'm coming from. And for those of you who don't understand where I'm coming from and you're still here, thank you for at least sticking around. I got some uh, good Founding Fathers episodes, I think, coming. There's one in particular I've been meaning to get to for a while that has a little bit of Benjamin Franklin and a little bit of John Adams in it, and I really like it, but I haven't recorded it yet, and I've been meaning to get to it, and I think I might get to it here before too long. I don't know. So if anybody has any suggestions at all about how we can fix the Supreme Court, aside from what I said, because it's always good to have a second pair of eyes on the problem, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and let me know how we can fix the Supreme Court. Or go to Patreon and let me know through there. Uh, if you have any suggestions for what you want me to talk about on episode number 100, I have left the content of episode number 100 entirely to you folks. And if you don't, I have one suggestion already, but it's not going to last the entire episode. If I do not get suggestions for episode 100, if I do not, I am going to torture the listenership of this podcast by reading the letters from George Washington that talk about his crops. You're going to hear me go on for an hour and a half about George Washington's crops in 1774. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. You people just turn it. <laughs> Everybody would just turn the podcast off. Nobody would listen. But I'll make something up, I guess, if uh, if I don't have any suggestions. But uh, I hope I get at least one or two more suggestions on what we can talk about on episode number 100. 
What it, and it doesn't have to be about the Founding Fathers. It doesn't have to be. It can be about whatever. If somebody wants me to tell that story about Vietnam that I mentioned earlier in this episode, I will. And that'll provide some context around how I feel about Korea, South Korea specifically. Or if you want to hear my, my theories on who built the ancient pyramids in Egypt, I'll talk about that. I'm dead serious. If you want me to talk about that, I will. Just uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or go over to Patreon and let me know. But I hope you'll join me on the next episode of the podcast. And until then, this is Roman signing off. Thank you. <laughs>